It is hard enough to pray when the wicked seem to be winning, because that's really discouraging. But how in the world are you going to pray when God seems far away? Now, I'm very confident that every Christian knows this experience. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, I think you're right. Every Christian has been through times when they feel God is far away. I've been there. You've been there. I think every Christian knows what this is like. And uh, it tends to be an experience that comes at a time where we feel that the wicked are winning. Everything seems to be dark and I'm feeling defeated. And now God seems further away than at any other time. Uh, You may be there right now. Perhaps you As you're listening to this program, it's been the very purpose of God that you'd be listening right now because you feel that he is far away and you need to have an assurance from the scripture that in fact God is able to reach to you and to stand with you and that he will be faithful to you. If you feel that God is far away, then may you be encouraged, blessed, strengthened by the program today because God's word is very directly for you. It is, and if you have a Bible handy, I hope you'll come with us to Psalm 10 as we continue the message, How to Pray When the Wicked Seem to Be Winning. Here's Colin. There will be times when the wicked seem to be winning. Let's not be naive about what we ourselves say that we believe in regards to sin and evil and its power. As Christians, we say that we believe that uh, men and women are born sinners, that it is in our nature, that the default of human nature is that we are resistant to God, that we are hostile to God. Then why in all the world, if we actually believe that, do we so often end up sounding like moralists who are deeply shocked when sinners demonstrate that what they want to do is sin? And when every time a new piece of technology is developed, guess what? Sinners find a new way to captivate that for sinful purposes. Why should that surprise us? It's how human nature is. It's why we need to be redeemed. It's why the only hope of the world is in Jesus Christ and in Him crucified. So this psalm is immensely helpful. I come here and I say, oh, what we're experiencing with this sense of wickedness on the rise is exactly where David was a thousand years before Christ. What's new? This is the world in which we live. This is the world in which we suffer. This is the world in which we bear witness. And the more we get off the kind of naive pietism that can so easily characterize us, the more we will become Christians who actually learn how to pray because of the world in which we live and the God we have. And the more we learn how to pray and the more we learn the nature of this world, the more we will long for the new heaven and the new earth. But it will be the home of righteousness where sin will be no more. And if we don't get it, guess what? We'll be comfortable middle-class people who are saying, how much can God do for me now? There's all the difference in the world. So this kind of praying is going to change the very nature of who we are. And it's precisely the kind of praying we need to learn when we are experiencing in, in fresh ways the disturbance and the dislocation of sensing great shifts within our own culture and 
and evil wickedness evidently on the rise. So pray when the wicked seem to be winning. Well, here's the second thing. Pray when God seems far away. Verse 1, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Oh, this is so helpful. It is hard enough to pray when the wicked seem to be winning, because that's really discouraging. But how in the world are you going to pray when God seems far away? Now, I'm very confident that every Christian knows this experience. In fact, I'd be absolutely amazed if anyone comes up to me in the foyer afterwards and says, I'm a Christian and I've never known what it is to feel that God is far away. You will be a very unusual person. We all know what it is for God to feel far away. And it's most difficult for us to pray then. And of course, these two things go together. When the wicked seem to be winning, of course God seems to be far away. We're struggling to see how His hand is at work. And it's very, very difficult to pray. And yet, it's precisely at this time and out of this experience that David prays this prayer. And it is wonderfully encouraging to me, first to know that even King David experienced this. Okay, if even David felt at times that God was far away, then, okay, that helps me. I'm, I'm not unusual, not unusual, and I can pray at such a time. But what is even more encouraging to me is this. Think about it. The Holy Spirit was present with David and active in David even when he felt that God was far away, verse 1. This prayer is Scripture, which means that it was actually breathed out by the Holy Spirit. So we can say that David was praying in the Spirit even when he felt God was far away. That's so encouraging to me. I must not read from that that God is absent. God was present with David and active with David even when he felt that God was far away. Now, take this to yourself and, and get hold of it because it's a very important principle. It's a wonderful encouragement. God is with you, Christian believer, and God is active in you, brother, sister, by His Holy Spirit even when you feel that he is far away, period. Learn that from this verse. So pray when the wicked seem to be winning and pray when God seems to be far away. That's what David models for us here. Now, the question, of course, is how. And the Holy Spirit, through David's prayer here, gives us a wonderful model of how to pray in these circumstances. Notice how the Holy Spirit leads David in prayer. Let me give it to you under three very simple headings here. The first is, stop thinking like the wicked. Stop thinking like the wicked. Now, there's a fascinating turn in this psalm 
that happens at verse 12, and it is almost as if thinking about the wicked for the first 11 verses in the presence of God wakens David up to renewed faith in God. It's very wonderful to see how this happens. At the start of the prayer, David says, verse 1, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself? So God seems to be far away and remote and not doing things and uninvolved. You don't seem to do anything. God, you don't seem to do anything. God, you're far away. God, you're uninvolved. Wait a minute. That's what the wicked think, right? God will forget. God will not bring anything to account. Wait a minute, it's almost as if it comes to David. Do you see the parallel between verse 1 and verse 11? Verse 1, David says, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Verse 11, the wicked say he has hidden his face and he will never see. And it's as if by the time David gets to verse 11, he suddenly wakens up and he says, wait a minute, I started my prayer by saying something that sounds pretty like what the wicked are saying every day. That's crazy. Campbell Morgan says beautifully, this prayer, it begins with a complaint and it ends with confidence. And David takes a turn in the course of prayer. This is part of the wonderful gift of prayer, that it actually changes us as well as changing things. And as he prays, his eyes are opened, which is why it's so important for him to spell out the nature to the problem. And now he begins to see something he didn't see before. Verse 11 is the turning point of the psalm. David wakens up to what has been happening in his own soul, and here it is. The wicked always discount God. The wicked always say, God's not going to do anything. And the reason I've become so discouraged is I've ended up thinking like them. I've been looking at all the trouble in the world, and I've been discounting God, and I've given up on God doing anything. Stop thinking like the wicked. It's a wonderful eye-opening moment. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, How to Pray When the Wicked Seem to Be Winning. And if you've missed any of the series or if you'd like to go back and listen again, you can do that by coming online to our website, openthebible.org.uk. Also on the website, you'll find Open the Bible Story. We want to help you to understand how the books in the Bible fit together. And a good way to do that is with Open the Bible Story. You can find that on our website. It's a journey through the whole Bible, a study course in 30 parts entitled The Drive. It will take you deep into the valleys of the Old Testament, the peaks of the glories of Jesus, and the ups and downs of the Christian life. All the way through, it will show how the Bible always points to the person of Jesus Christ. You can find Open the Bible Story on our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. Back to the message now, here's Colin. Stop thinking like the wicked. It's a wonderful eye-opening moment. Second, start trusting God. Be done with this idea that can lurk even in a Christian heart that God's never going to do anything and start trusting Him. Verse 13, why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? Verse 14, you do see and you note mischief. You're writing it all down. The wicked says God's hidden his face, verse 11. David says, you do see. The wicked says God's forgotten, verse 11. David says, no, you note mischief, verse 14. You're writing it all down. And so as this marvelous turn takes place in the prayer, 
there are some core convictions for praying when the wicked seem to be winning. Notice how David particularly draws attention in this prayer to God's eye. You do see, verse 14, you do see. You see everything. Oh God, you've seen what's happening in the country, and you see what is happening to me. Think of this as you come into the presence of God and how wonderfully helpful it is. God sees and knows and notes down everything that relates to you. Nothing is hidden from Him. If you have been oppressed, if you have been mistreated, if you have been taken advantage of by an unscrupulous person, you sometimes say, well, nobody really understands. Nobody, nobody's really seen. Oh, yeah, God has seen. And it's all known to Him. The person who has taken advantage of you, God knows all about that. It's all written down. It's all seen. Very wonderful. And then he focuses on God's hand, verse 12 and verse 14. Arise, O Lord, lift up your hand. Verse 14, you take note of mischief that you may take it into your hands. Beautiful. The hand, of course, is a reference to strength. And that is why when in verse 15 it says, break the arm of the wicked, that means break the power of the wicked. Lord, use your divine power to bring restraint and ultimately to bring an end to the power of the wicked. And of course, this is a prayer that God wonderfully answers in part now and will answer fully at the end of time. Verse 15, break the arm of the wicked, call his wickedness to account till you find no more. What a day that's going to be. When God calls wickedness to account until He finds no more. And then when it has all been judged and the new creation is formed and the people of God in the home of righteousness and sin shall be no more. His hand, he'll do this by his power. We can't deliver the world from evil. Not for us, not for David to, to deliver the world from wickedness. How is he going to do that? God will do it. Take it into your hand. Now, this is a prayer that uh, God answers in part now and fully at the end of time, and both are important. It's in part now because, of course, as we said already, as long as we are in this world, we will face the challenge of wickedness. It'll keep breaking out in, in new forms. But remember this, and this is the point of the prayer, that God in His mercy restrains wickedness so that however bad it is in the world, it would be worse if it were not for the grace of God. We call this common grace, that is the grace in which God restrains wickedness to some extent even with those who do not know Him or love Him. Think about this. Only in hell is the full extent of evil really known. And thank God this world, however bad it is at its worst, is still not hell. It's not heaven, and only Christ can bring us into heaven, but it's not hell either. And why is it not hell? Why is it better than hell at its worst? Because God mercifully answers this prayer and restrains in some degree 
the full force of the expression and the work of the wicked. He does not stop it, he, but he restrains it in some degree. However bad your experience in this world, you have not experienced anything like what hell is. And that is the point of this prayer, that as a Christian believer, I'm experiencing evil. I know, I know that uh, I'm going to live in this world with its realities and with its sufferings and with its difficulties, and that is not going to change. But I can ask God for help. I can ask God for relief. I can ask God to put the brakes on. I can ask God for some deliverance. And then I can look to the day when the deliverance that will be in part now will be complete, and it will be full, and it will be forever and it will be glorious, and He will call wickedness till account until there is no more. And to that end, thinking about God's eye, He knows it all, His hand, the power of His hand to restrain now and then to judge till there is no more then. Then, of course, there's this beautiful focus of God's throne. Verse 16, the Lord is King forever and forever. It's like something out of the book of Revelation, isn't it? The Lord is King forever and forever. Lord, I've been so discouraged. I felt that you were afar off. I've been thinking like the wicked. I've been discounting you. And now that I've come into your presence, I'm, I'm seeing you, your eye. You know it all. And you know everything that I have felt was so hidden. And your hand, powerful, and you're on the throne, and you're on the throne forever and forever. Stop thinking like the wicked. Start trusting in God. And here's the very last thing, just briefly. Stand with Christ in the school of prayer. Jesus would have known this psalm. What did it mean to him? How would he have used it? Did Jesus ever experience the things that gave rise to this psalm from David? Well, you only need to ask the question, and, and you see Jesus is all over this psalm. Did Christ know the greed of the wicked? Yes, he stood in the temple, and he, he saw how the house of prayer had been turned into a marketplace for gain. Did Christ know what it is for the wicked to lurk in ambush? Oh, yes, day after day I was teaching in the temple, and now you come to me with swords and clubs as they arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did Jesus know the violence of the wicked springing up upon him? Oh, yes, they beat him with clubs, they nail him to a cross. Did Jesus know what it was to ask why and to feel that God is far away? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ knows what it is. He says to his enemies, this is your hour when darkness reigns. Oh, Christ knows every part of the experience that gave birth to the psalm penned by David and useful for us. And more than that, Christ knows what it is to trust the Father in the middle of this ultimate darkness. 
and to say, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Jesus knows this psalm more deeply than David did. He's lived this psalm. He can pray this psalm with you. And you can pray this psalm with Jesus. And when you wonder if God has forgotten you, when you feel that God is far away, this psalm is for you. God is calling you to stand in faith and not think like the wicked. And Jesus will stand with you as you draw near to God in prayer. And remember this, that Jesus not only endured wickedness, He triumphed over it. You, says Peter on the day of Pentecost, you put Him to death with the help of wicked men, but God raised Him from the dead. He raised Him up, and He is King forever and forever. And this Christ hears the desire of the afflicted. This Christ is able to strengthen your heart. And right now, His hand is held out to every person. Whatever you may have done, whatever wickedness there may have been in your life, and right now, His hand is not raised in judgment towards you. It's raised in invitation towards you. Wickedness is going down, friends. But here is the good news for every person today. You do not need to go down with your wickedness. God offers grace and mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ. So turn to Him in faith. Come to Him in repentance. And ask Him to make you a new creation, even today. That's a great prayer, whether you've previously committed yourself to Christ or not, that He would make us more like Him each day. You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, How to Pray When the Wicked Seem to be Winning, all about how to pray when God seems a long way away. And if you've missed any of the series so far, or if you'd like to go back and listen again, you can always do that by coming online to our website, openthebible.org.uk. You can also find us as a podcast if it's a more convenient way for you to listen to Pastor Colin Smith's teaching. And you can find that on your regular podcasting site. Search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Also available on the website or as a podcast is Open the Bible Daily. This is a series of short two to three minute reflections based on Pastor Colin Smith's teaching and read in the UK by Sue McLeish. Sue, what can we expect in this month's Open the Bible Daily? Well, it's a continuation of the book of Deuteronomy. I've so enjoyed preparing it and reading it because there's just so much to learn from it. And what I think is so special is that, as always, Pastor Colin makes it so relevant. I've been blessed by it and I hope others will when they hear it. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners and we're able to stay on the air and on the internet because of your generosity. If you'd like to begin supporting us this month, we have an offer for you. It's a book. It's called The Christian Manifesto, and it's by Alistair Begg. Colin, what's special about this book? 
Well, Alistair takes us to the heart of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, as it's called in Luke's Gospel. And so we're into the teaching of Jesus that is just radically different from anything that we would ever find anywhere else. And Alistair draws this out in the most marvelous way. I mean, for example, here's what he says about Jesus' teaching on taking the log out of your own eye before we try and remove the speck out of someone else's eye. He says, it starts with me admitting that it's likely not my wife who needs to change, but me. It's not my co-workers who are the problem, but me. It's got that kind of personal, practical honesty. It's written with great clarity, great grace, and great wisdom. Alistair says, we are not called to be like the world, and the world does not need us to be like the world. We have something better to say because we have someone better to follow. It's a wonderful book because it points us so clearly, practically, and hopefully to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The book's called The Christian Manifesto by Alistair Begg, and it's our gift to you if you're able to set up a new donation for the work of Open the Bible this month in the amount of £5 per month or more. Information about this offer and lots of other information besides is available on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll join us again next time. What did David do when he felt like giving up? He took refuge in God. But how do you do that? Find out next time on Open the Bible.